Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. In 1993, Indie Darling's Pavement had an unexpected top 10 modern rock hit with Cut Your Hair. During their brief time in the spotlight, they had a beef with Billy Corgan, got kicked off a music festival, and experienced inter-band feuding that led to their breakup before the end of the 90s. Regardless of any turmoil, they made a fan out of Steve Sabosley, who joins us to discuss why he loves Pavement and their most well-known song. All right, Steve, I think this is pretty questionable that you're calling this song a hit. Hey, what are you going to do? I asked <laughs> if I could do this song and I looked to you and uh, producer Matt to see if I could do the song and you guys greenlit it. Yeah, what I'm going to blame Matt. I'm going to blame Matt for allowing you to talk about pavement. I know <laughs> I know that you're psyched to talk about pavement. I feel like this has been, I wouldn't call it a point of contention between us necessarily, but maybe, you know, whereas you and I 
agree on a lot of music. I think Pavement, mm-hmm. just from even back in the day, from high school days, I don't think we saw eye to eye on Pavement. So, But you're a big fan. You're like influenced by Pavement. I would say that I am. So talk about why you like Pavement. I didn't get into to punk rock initially, but was more into the grunge and alternative music of of the time. And I mean, it's basically that I was friends with PJ and, and Matt and they listened to Pavement and I got really into them. I don't think I would have gotten into them so much later on because they are kind of a lazy, sloppy style. But man, I just, I just love it. I love it so much. That is my issue with them. Right. The fact that they sound so lazy and sometimes is there a lot of wrong notes in the songs and things is that intentional done by musicians knowing that they're doing that or are they just not that good and is that a reflection of that Uh, i think it's a little bit of a little bit of both i think a lot of times i i was reading about the making of crooked rain crooked rain the album that cut your hair is on and they were definitely trying to just capture the spirit of certain takes and not being super precious with it. But the way that it was, the album was mixed, the guy who mixed the album was instrumental in sorting through all of the crazy rough takes and kind of piecing the album together. Okay, well, I wouldn't have even known that this was their hit that you're calling you're calling it their hit it's their biggest song i guess because it was on beavis and butthead or something this was a top 10 hit on the modern rock charts okay it hit number 10 all right okay i stand corrected i would have thought maybe stereo right the the song stereo which is my favorite pavement song right i will say is not that big a fan of pavement i don't hate them but i'm really like and what's funny is i like all the periphery bands of that time you know anybody else that was on 120 minutes and was in that world i like and i don't know what it is about pavement that doesn't cut it for me but cut your hair in stereo i'll give them credit for those songs they're great what it sounds like is that when crooked rain came out that pavement was still in the window of the nirvana grunge hype and they really got a big push on that album and it really caught on. But I think by the time that Brighten the Corners, which had stereo on it two albums later, I think they were back to being more of like a big indie band. But Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, they like got some mainstream attention for it. Right. You know, I don't know if this is the end all be all of what's good and what's not, but Rolling Stone did name this one of their 500 greatest albums of all time. So there, I think there's another list that's the 500 songs of all time and Pavement has three songs on it. And and the guys from Pavement said that <laughs> two of them have to be the worst selling, most unsuccessful songs on, on the list. Yeah. But no doubt they're indie darlings. They're apparently critic darlings as well. And my lukewarm opinion of them doesn't really matter. We could talk about this song though a little bit. Is this one of your favorite pavement songs or or is it like, oh, that's the hit. I don't care about that song as much. I think this is probably the song that pulled, pulled me in for sure. It's got the catchy oohs and my first band, played it okay that helps yeah so we we played it there were parts that we didn't know how to play so we skipped we skipped those parts like i don't think we did like the bridge and the guitar solo we just kind of did our own version of it it's definitely got 
cool, fun lyrics to sing along to with your friends. If you're having a good time and the song comes on, it's fun to sing along. Definitely unique lyrics. I'll give them credit for that. It has more of a lyric concept than a lot of pavement songs. A lot of pavement songs are... Gibberish. Yeah. Scrambled eggs, as they say. Yeah, I guess this song is pretty literal. Darling, don't you go and cut your hair. Do you think it's going to make him change? I'm just the boy with the new haircut, and that's a pretty nice haircut. This song seems very 90s to me because hair, that 90s hair, whether it's shoulder length or whatever it is, I I, th- I feel like I almost remember that transition from what everybody having that shoulder length alternative hair and right. then getting their haircuts. I think of our friend PJ as one of those people. Right. Like, well, he's had every hairstyle, but you know, I, I think about this is our era, our high school era, and there you did see that change. Right. You know? So that that's kind of cool about this song. Everybody, if you're listening, we're talking about PJ a lot. Go check out PJ. Yeah. <laughs> Do you also think, similar to a different Steve pick with Super Drag, that the lyrics are also metaphorical for like how they perceive being a band in the music industry? Because the second verse is all about right. like the drummer and the music scene and stuff like that. That's funny. They're pretty similar topics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it's commentary on, and it's funny too, because there, there's another, there, I feel like there's a lot of commentary on the music industry songs right. in the 90s because you had that whole, I mean, I guess this, I think of it as when it comes to like punk rock and of course ska in the 90s or whatever, but I guess it also is it this part of this indie rock and alternative scene was the things about selling out, you know, like people were so concerned about that. doesn't really seem to be a concern to anyone anymore. I feel like it is like a little bit now, but there was a time where it definitely went out the window in the mid two thousands. And like, no one cared about selling, like selling out was cool. Like I want an iPhone. I want to sell out. I want to be on a commercial. Right. And I still don't like selling out, but to me, selling out means, changing your style to whatever's popular at that moment. Right. Not getting paid. I mean, if you're great and you get paid and you're still, you're making true music that's authentic to you, then right. who am I to say anything about that? You know, especially if people love it. Remember that that Lars Ulrich Metallica quote about yeah. selling out? Yeah. <laughs> you know, selling out? Yeah, we sell out every night. <laughs> every seat in the house, house every, every night. <laughs> and it, it, those of you listening didn't see, but you also have to do a little... Pushing the bottom of your fist into your other hand. Every seat in the house, every night. Is that kind of like the uh, the quote that you bring up a lot that Robin from the Gym Blossoms gave you about the only difference between you guys and Punch, <laughs> you guys and him? Yeah, I, that's, that's one of the all-time best things anyone ever said to me. I'm sure people have already heard me say it, but, you know, Steve and I play in Punchline, and we did, one of the last tours we did was with the Gym Blossoms, and at the end of it, Really thanking him for taking us out. It was an awesome tour. He's so sweet. Yeah, such a nice guy. And he said to me, hey, man, the only difference between your band and my my band is that we've sold millions and millions of albums. I'm like, that's awesome. And then then he turned around, walked on the bus, and we left. And that was the end of it. But yeah, when it comes to pavement, this, this is a good jam. I'll give it up for this jam. I don't know whether to consider it a hit, but that's neither here nor there. I do want to talk about something with pavement that I think is an interesting as we get deeper into it. I know that you love this song range life, which I can take or leave that song. You've probably heard it a thousand times. (laughs) I've heard it a lot in the van and stuff over the years. You and you and some other friends seem to really love it. I'm like this once again, this sounds like the laziest sloppiest music. And I just, you know, not that I want something to be SR 71 either. Obviously I don't want something that sounds like it's made by 
computers, you know, but I like that in between, you know, that the realness and also, but also I like precision performance, mm-hmm. I guess you would say. Who do you like, Yo-Yo Ma? I love Yo-Yo Ma. <laughs> I just was a Yo-Yo Ma on Marin recently. He was great. He was cool. He was interesting. Anyway, this song Range Life, it became a little bit of a controversy. I don't know if you know about this controversy behind that song. Oh, I, I, I do, but I, I think you know more. So he made comments about, well, both Smashing Pumpkins and Stone Temple Pilots. He like says something or other about them but i i'll read you the lyrics i think they're like this they're later in the song right it's like the last verse or something it's, so the context is this is the early 90s pavement was in the Lollapalooza alternative scene right. smashing pumpkins had blown up the year before and stone temple pilots also in the same time frame okay so in the song it says out on tour with smashing pumpkins nature kids they don't have no function i don't understand what they mean and I could really give a fuck. Stone Temple Pilots, they're elegant <laughs> bachelors. They're foxy to me. Are they foxy to you? I will agree they deserve absolutely nothing. Nothing more than me. I mean, it's pretty funny to just call out these bands, but if I were Smashing Pumpkins, I'd be like, Nature Kids? <laughs> we don't have a function? I don't understand what they mean, and I could really give a fuck. So it's it's not that bad. What what do you interpret this as meaning? Well, at the time when they made the album, they were kind of nothing. They had some buzz about them, but they were certainly not in the league of Smashing Pumpkins. But then they got so much hype from this album that, you know, by the time it reached the bands that were mentioned, Pavement was a big band, so it kind of was probably a little more offensive and then mm. they're in the same in the same touring scene and whatnot. But I believe Steve Malcolmus, the singer who wrote the lyrics, said that he did it pretty quickly and just thought it was like kind of funny and kind of cheeky and like kind of cocky, but what but not in like a serious way. I had also read that he said that the song's supposed to be from like a character perspective so like i think of those lyrics from the same way as like the dead milkman stewart or like money for nothing where it's supposed to be from like the perspective of some like aged rocker just bitching about Mm -hmm. the current modern music scene and when you like read those lyrics it's like yeah i could see like a 55 year old guy being like i don't know stone double pilots they seem like elegant bachelors (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean stone double pilots did not get mad about it i've never heard anything about that billy corgan on the other hand got so mad that he got pavement kicked off of Lollapalooza. Damn. Held that grudge for like up until 2018. And then Smashing Pumpkins took pavement on tour. Wow. And I read the weirdest Brooklyn Vegan article where it was an interview with both Billy Corgan and Steve Malcolmus in like, it was like before that tour happened where Billy Corgan was very it seemed like he was super passive aggressive. He's like, yeah, we're taking them out. And, you know, he, he was like kind of like hyping himself up. Like, you know, we're trying to move past things and whatever. But he insisted that Pavement has to play Range Life, that they put that in the contract. And that if he wanted to, Billy Corgan would get to write a verse and come out and, and play it. I don't, I tried to find if that actually happened, but also like within the, was artic- it the 2018 tour? Did you say the, the article was from 2018? I think maybe the tour was the next year. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like, or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room. 
fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Within the article, it was like at some point, Billy Corgan, like, (laughs) <laughs> ruffled Steve Malcolmus's hair and Steve Malcolmus seemed very Steve Malcolmus in this interview like very uh I mean I was reading it but it seemed very like uh monotone like b- point blank answers I it seemed weird to me but apparently they've they've buried the hatchet since then that's funny because I think otherwise that would have been a probably a pretty inconsequential song maybe a fan favorite but not get gotten the light that it that it has right i i did know about that and i don't know man smashing pumpkins versus uh pavement who you got uh, i think i'm gonna go with pavement i mean it's real like when they were making this album so the story was that they had had some success and they were like a little grungier and their old stuff was really a lot fuzzier post-punk sounding because their drummer at the time was a little bit older so they're all in there early to mid twenties. And then this other, this, their drummer was in his early forties, but he recorded them and like taught them a lot about how to be a band, but he kind of fell apart, had a drinking problem. He wanted to cash in at the point that they were just starting to get some buzz. And, you know, they, they, they say in interviews that they were in a different place than this guy at the time. Just, you know, he wanted to have money to pay for health insurance and they're like we're in our early 20s like why would you ever pay for health insurance like why is that important to you so this guy quit and they they were kind of scared because he had you know was their drummer and also the producer and you know pretty instrumental in the band but they decided to move forward and they found some some studio in new york of a guy that they knew who would let them come and record in the in the studio for really cheap and so they virtually is like two or three of the guys in pavement engineered the album themselves to tape and then like i was saying the producer 
came in and put it together. But the studio was around Madison Square Garden, where we like sounds like within a block of where we recorded 37 Everywhere, nice. which, which I think is kind of cool. Just I just imagine that two guys who they said that they were like so carefree making these songs because they weren't famous yet. There wasn't much that they had to live up to. And they went and they spent some time writing before they went into the studio. And it was the kind of thing where like they're together for a weekend and Malcolmus comes in and was like, hey, do you guys like this song? And they're like, that's amazing. And then comes back half an hour. Like, how about this one? They're like, yep. And that's just hearing that stuff sounds so cool. Like he just sounds like a very prolific song songwriter and just has, you know, big ideas, man. But imagine those guys making that album and talking some shit on Smashing Pumpkins and Stone Temple Pilots at a time where if Smashing Pumpkins heard them, then they would be like, I don't, why do I care what this like little band who's right cares? But I think that's so cool. That makes sense. But he says the lyric is out on tour with Smashing Pumpkins, though. Do you think he was just pretending they were out oh, on tour? Oh, I mean, them? I guess, okay, that's, that's right. We should probably, <laughs> we should prob- probably look that up. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that. But what I do like about what you're saying is the idea, it makes me want to do it. I mean, I guess it's a matter of having a place and having this stuff set up, but, but to be like, to go into a place with your band and be like, we're going to, we're going to write and record our album right now. Don't bring anything, don't bring anything you had before or whatever. Right. Start from scratch, like off the top of your head and see what comes out. That'd be pretty fun, I think. That's that's on the to-do list at some point. Nice. Whatever that album is. If it sucks, you don't got to put it out. You can just keep it for yourselves, right? I mean, but uh, that'd, be, that'd be a fun challenge for a band that's been around for a while. Anyway, I would go with Smashing Pumpkins. And I'm not even like some huge Smashing Pumpkins fan, but dude, 1979. It's so good. It's so good. Today is so good. Oh, Tonight, Tonight, so good. Like these songs, like they're pretty epic. Mm-hmm. Like, I prefer the epic compositions over pavements lazy ass wrong notes <laughs> what about cursive's wrong notes i know you like cursive that's a whole different thing yeah i, I mean i wish cursive had a hit so we could talk about it that band's incredible that, we I could mean, probably make a hit out of them if we're doing yeah, you think <laughs> what songs <laughs> what songs they hit for them uh, played on letterman is that a hit <laughs> uh, they did play that song on letterman yeah I, man i love that band so this song okay as matt said it peaked at number 10 on the alternative charts may 7th 1994 so, yeah, that's, I guess that's a hit. Right. I guess, I guess that's a hit. At the time on those charts, the number one song, funny enough, was The More You Ignore Me, The Closer I Get by Morrissey, which, speaking of Beavis and Butthead again, I knew that song because of Beavis and Butthead, hated it. I was like, this is the worst, whiniest, stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. As I got older, I came back around to it. I'm like, oh. I get right. it. It's like this sort of gothy British emotional music and kind of like liked some Smith songs and like, okay, I get it. And then turns out Morrissey's kind of a racist asshole. So, so that really sucks. You know, I was like, okay, well, any little bit I liked of Morrissey, I, I don't really like him anymore. Also at that time on the charts were, here you go, Steve, one of your favorites, Selling the Drama by Live. Nice. <laughs> nice. Steve's a big fan of- This is the, 94. The Juice. This is 1994. Yeah, we all we're all about 1994. What a year! What a year! Lucchini's Juice. That was probably the, the year <laughs> of Lucchini's Juice, and also Longview by Green Day nice. was on the charts at this time. So then, in 1999, Pavement kind of called it quits for a while. Internal conflict within the band caused that, and they popped up throughout the 20. What do you call the 2010 to 20? Some people call it the aughts. 
No, that's what you call 2000 to 2010. Oh, well, what yeah, do you, what call do you call that? The teen? I mean, it's not all teens, though. And which teens do you mean? Yeah, we're probably talking about the more recent teens. I've always wanted to throw uh, an 80s dance party, but then you show up as an 1880s dance party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 2010s or whatever. My point being, Pavement got together a few times throughout the 2010s and played some festivals. Legacy of the song, Cut Your Hair. It's been featured in every stupid movie. I don't know why. Like, you would think that this indie band with all this cred would be in some, like, serious... The soundtracks it's on are, are, are pretty funny. Jackass 2, a very Brady sequel, You, Me, and Dupree, <laughs> and Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> nice. But I guess it's... And, and I guarantee you every time it's just... I gotta give it. I gotta give it up for that. I I do like that. Uh, so I did some googling. So there's there's a few different phrases for 2010 to oh, 2020. Okay. <laughs> there's the 2010s, like you said. Sometimes it's just called the tens, and eh. sometimes it's called the teens or the teensies. <laughs> the teensies. I think I'll, the teensies I'll is go, the one I'm going with. I'll go with the teens. Yeah, that feels natural. <laughs> yeah, back in the teensies, which. Yeah, it's crazy to say that now. I mean, we're recording this episode in the year 2021, future person who's listening to this in 2040 or something. But we're, yeah, we're out of that decade. We're on to the next one. We're in the 20s now. Right. That's the first time I'm uh, recognizing that out loud, that the teens are over. The teensies. The teensies are gone. <laughs> the teensies had a, a rough finish. So yeah, I think that's why. Yeah. Or, or the 20s had a rough start. However right. you want to <laughs> look at it. Yeah, the end of, end of the teensies is kind of the golden age. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, the, last, the last four years of the teensies sucked. But the first, the first yeah, the, the beginning of the teens. Dude, the early teensies. Dude, in the early teensies, Thursday night on TV was Community, <laughs> The Office, Parks and Rec, 30 Rock. Like, wow. The early teensies rocked. Let's go back to the lyrics. Okay. So, darling, don't you go and cut your hair. Do you think it's going to make him change? I'm just a boy with a new haircut, and that's a pretty nice haircut. Charge it like a puzzle. Hit me wearing muzzles. Hesitate to die. Look around, around. The second drummer's drowned. His telephone is found. Hmm. What does this mean? I think it's probably a fair amount of gibberish. Yeah. Pavement's the kind of band where you go back and listen to their demos or live recordings. There's frequently words, words changed. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's something to be said about, I don't know if you, you want to call it the cadence or the way the words spill out of your mouth that right. sound cool, that if you're changing them to make sense. Yeah. If you change, charge it like a puzzle, hit me wearing muzzles. What are you going to find to replace that? Right. And it gonna- is, it is cool to take note of how these crazy lyrics, like I still love the song and don't, it doesn't ruin the song concept or something. No, I mean, they're fun to sing along to. Uh, music scene is crazy. Bands start up each and every day. I saw another one just the other day, a special new band. I remember lying. I don't remember lies. I don't remember what, but I don't care. That's some lazy ass lyrics. <laughs> oh my God. I care. I really don't care. Did you see the drummer's hair? <laughs> Advertising looks and chops a must. No big hair. (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) Songs mean a lot when songs are bought, and so are you. Bitch, rant down to the practice room. Attention and fame, so career, career, career. Which is funny because up until... Probably right now reading this. You thought I said Korea? Yeah. <laughs> Always thought it was a shout out to Korea, but apparently it's career, career, career. Which, okay, I read these. I, I kind of get it. And I do get the appeal of sloppy off the top of your head, 
avant-garde lyrics because I know that they're fun to sing along to, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I, I get it. I don't know. You have it. You have any closing notes on, on pavement before we, d- I'm before trying we... to think if we covered the, the big, the big, the big picture things year came out 1994 it was on the album crooked rain, crooked rain. And the song reached the top 10, making it a bona fide one hit wonder. Yeah. Absolutely. Thunder. So you're, yeah, I know you're going with thunder. I, I guess I, I like the song. I, I guess I'll go with Thunder. I know that in the band has like maybe two other th- two other songs I like. They're a long running, well, kind of. They're they're a beloved indie band, which I like. That I I like I like a lot of things about them. I just wish I liked the music more. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's just taste. I'll take Pavement over some like overproduced pop punk band any day. Right. <laughs> you know, like right. or some like you know or or some her. 90s band you know like i definitely think pavement's cool i think everything's about them cool is cool and it seems like a lot of cool people like them (laughs) i'm just maybe i'm just not cool enough for pavement or something to each his peach to each his pavement This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Afalios of the band's Punchline Pack and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing A Friend Indeed off the most recent Punchline release, Lion. Go to punchlion.com for more info as well as merch and news of future shows. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Chris and I can help your show sound as professional as possible. And let us know your thoughts on our show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now.